Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod here. I'm Ross Carl, of course, joined by my usual partners in crime, who are neither of them are in here. They're both on the big screen because Chip has obviously got around a golf lined up and Bryn's playing golf as well. Um, we might as well turn it to the Aotearoa Golf Pod, the amount of golf chat that happens before we actually press record on this thing. <laughs> Where are you, Bryn? What are you playing? I'm currently in Terrace Downs with uh, my partner, Sam. Yeah, we um, don't, obviously don't have a bye week with obviously the COVID issues and, and that, so um, we've got a little bit of a time away and we're down at Terrace Downs enjoying um, a, bit of, a bit of vacation and a bit of three days together. And Jipper? Uh, mate, just down in the beautiful Fongmata. Uh, there will be, be no golf today. I'm just wearing this uh, in support of Jordan Spieth playing uh, playing around this morning. <laughs> I can tell, as a kid, were you the person who sat on the couch with your batting pads on while you're watching your favourite cricketer out there? <laughs> Is that not normal? <laughs> I'm sure it's perfectly normal. I, I'm sure it absolutely is perfectly normal. Uh, we had one of the games of the year on the weekend. Uh, Bryn, obviously, you were heavily involved in that. The Crusaders just falling to the Blues at home, 23-27. Let's jump into the quick fire round. I'm presuming that this can be super quick fire. That was game of the round? Definitely. Okay. Well, what about the... Yeah, bef- it de- yeah, definitely was. The performer of the round, because there were a number of guys in that match who were absolutely superb. Bryn, view. Oh, look, to me, for me, probably, um, Dalton Papali was probably my man of the round. Um, look, I think he talked about in his, in his speech how emotional it was for him and the kind of uh, mindset that the Blues had coming down to, to Christchurch, and it was kind of um, shown in that last that effort with him and Rico stopping that trial with Dom Gardner. I, I think um, for us personally, it was a, uh, we wish Dom wasn't wearing concrete feet, but um, no, nah, the young fella was, was going good. But, um, but no, nah, you know, it was, it was just a massive play from, from Dalton and Enrico in that play. And so for me to be able to get that hoodoo finally done for them, I know it would be massive for their group. And Jip, you could probably go a little bit more into that. But um, yeah, Dalton Papali'i, not only that, but, you know, his tackling, he scored that try, bumping off Richie and myself, which wasn't great for the highlight reel again. Um, but no, nah, look, mate, a, a massive, a massive game for a massive player that needed to, to, to do some pretty special things to be able to get that win in Christchurch, which they did, uh, which they did on the weekend. How are you with Quickfire, Jim? Um, yeah, Dalton Papali. I think um, Bryn covered most of it there. He was exceptional. Hey, we might just throw away the Quickfire round altogether here and just get into it with Dalton Papali. Obviously played superbly, has been incredible in a Blues jersey as a leader. Can he push the All Blacks leader, Sam Kane, out of the seven jersey come the Island Tests? 
Oh, look, I think, um, you know, Sam will probably have first rights because he's having one of the best seasons um, for the Chiefs as well. And, and that competition for that jersey is bringing the best out of both of them. Um, the one thing Dalton may have the ability is to slip into six, seven or eight. Um, you know, obviously blindside flanker, we've spoken about a few um, injuries to some key players there. Um, Akira Yuani to still come back. So with, with good minutes under his belt, um, there's no, no doubting his ability to slip into that six jersey. Uh, but I think I think Sam came, you know, obviously being the captain, will get it, get first crack, and if he performs, uh, no doubt, um, you know, it'll be pretty tough to get him out of that jersey. Bryn, do you think that they would go for that? Um, those three guys starting together, uh, Savia, Kane, and Papali'i, or do you think they'd still very much want a Frizzell-style character in one of those six, seven, eight positions? Oh, look, I think um, you know Shannon Frizzell, and you talk with Andrew Ketter and that, you know, they're their incumbents, and that's that's their position of playing number six, but. I think coming back to Jip's point, there are a few injuries and Aki's been out for a while and it might take him a bit of time to get his um, his game fitness and that. But I think with Dalton, um, he has the ability to be able to play six at, at, a, at a pinch, you know what I mean? So he's that all-around ability to play all in the loose four trio. And look, you look on the weekend, his ability on the edge, being able to break tackles, which is, you know, you see the likes of Akeda and Shannon Frizzell when they are on those edges. Dalton can do that as well. And then again, um, his ability to be able to play big moments and big games. Um, he's got a massive engine. The guy just doesn't stop working. And, you know, Ethan Blackhead is very similar in that kind of sense and around their work rate. And so, look, he's a special player, Dalton. And, look, if he was given that six jersey just due to the fact there are injuries or, you know, given the fact he is playing well and Sam starts at seven, um, he'll, he, he won't let you down. And um, with the, the attributes that he has, um, he, could be, he could be a great six moving forward in that Irish series. Brent, he was everywhere, wasn't he, against you guys? He was just everywhere. Defence, attack, like, he was just a mountain. Oh, he was, mate. And I've, you know, we've been massive advocates for from on the show because um, it's his ability to be able to be make big plays and big moments. You know, whether it be that scoring that try uh, on the edge, going through two people, and then scoring that try in that moment. It's a defensive effort, whether it be a turnover or a big tackle in, in collision, or it's you know in the seventy eighth minute when you've played seventy eight minutes as a number seven in a pretty intense um, derby match to then make a play to win a game. You know what I mean? So. Um, I've been a big believer in adults, you know, talking around him a lot the last couple of years, and especially at Super Rugby level. We've seen it at um, All Black level um, last year, but it's just a continuation of this guy continuing to keep getting better. And what it is going to do, it's going to give a great selection headache for those for those selectors because you've got Sam Kane, our captain, who's I agree with Jip, is playing fantastic footy and getting some minutes under his belt and that confidence back. But then you've got a guy like Dalton who's playing um, consistently and playing at a high level um, in the country at the moment as well. No, I just I just want to touch on like Bryn sort of spoke about. Um, you know, the selection of Dalton at six and pushing on. I think these selectors are showing, you know, when they moved Ethan to seven, that they're not afraid to move this loose forward trio around, not in their normal, um, you know, Mm. super rugby position. So um, we have seen it before. And I think if they want to get, I suppose, the best form 15 out there, and and the reality is both Sam and Dalton are probably one of the form flankers and, you know, Artie definitely at at eight. Um, I I don't think it would be a foreign concept to them. No, no. There's a lot of things to talk about, I suppose, as we head into the Super Round and head into the, the Trans-Tasman section of uh, Super Rugby Trans-Tasman as far as All Black selections are concerned. You know, we're kind of halfway. Why not get into it now? Julian Savia, we've seen him again on the weekend looking dangerous, busting tackles, making the gain line. He's looking like the Julian Savia that we used to know and love. Um, on current form... Does he have a shot at being the left or right winger for the All Blacks, Bryn? 
Oh, look, I think there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of players that are playing really well at the moment, you know, with that kind of left that left winger and right winger. Um, so he's playing really well. I think the difference that I have enjoyed with Jules coming back since he's come back from from Europe is his subtle touches and in, in his growth in his game, whether it be just distribution or his kicking game. Um, we've always known that he's been a destructive ball carrier, and then his work rate, being able to work in and around the ruck, whether it be off ten or nine. But I've really enjoyed his subtle touches on the week, even on the weekend as well. You look at those two tries that the Hurricanes plays, um, you know. A lot, a lot of times this year, Jules has been in that distribution role of being able to put players away, which probably didn't see a lot when he was here in New Zealand. And look, that's not to say that um, he wasn't able to do it, but just with the kind of game style that they were playing at the Hurricanes and the All Blacks, um, it was his ball-carrying ability that was really at the at the forefront of his why he was selected. But um, look, I've loved his subtle touches. And um, look, he's, if he continues to keep playing, he keeps knocking on the door. He, he puts himself in with a chance. But um, I think there are just so many great wingers at the moment that... Um, you could see that they might go in a different direction moving forward because they want to probably have a you know, four or five-year plan with, with new selections coming through. You look at Satoru coming through. You've got Lester Fyang Anuku. Um, you've got Caleb Clark. All these guys are, are young and probably are still aspiring to be All Blacks and play at that level you know, that Jules was able to do for so long in that number 11 jersey back in the day. Is it an investment in the future right now, Jipper? Or, or can we afford to spend a couple more years with Julian if he was to be the form winger and the guy they went with? Oh, look, I think, you know, coming close to 2023, why not pick, you know, someone in the form? Um, And if he is that guy, I don't think they should hesitate in that sense. But, um, you know, I suppose in terms of like for like, it's probably going for that Caleb Clark, um, Lester Whaianganuku position um, rather than... And I suppose Nanai Satoru, like you said, Bryn, comes into that mix. I thought he was exceptional Mm. on the weekend, seems to be going from strength to strength. So... Not only is um, the back three log jammed in all five uh, super clubs, uh, it means the log jam at all black level will make it um, a challenge for guys to slip in, I'd say. Yeah, and th- I think that's one of the hard things about this all black team at the moment, <clears throat> is when you look at it across the board, there aren't that many positions that are 100% locked in. You know, I, I think if you-, you looked in the hooking berth, even the hooking berth, not 100% right now. You would have just said Dan Coles and Cody Taylor for years, but but now Samasoni Taukiaho is very much in the mix. Is he a possible starter? You know, maybe Joe Moody's a lock-in at one. The locks are locked in. But outside of that, pretty much everywhere out bar Aaron Smith is a question mark about who exactly is going to start in this team. So it's going to be a really interesting chat over the next few weeks in almost every single way. And when you're thinking Clark, Talia, Whanganuku, Reese, Bridge, uh, Rico Iwani, depending on whether they want to use him in the centres, is probably the only one who's locked in if they don't want him in the centres, right? Everybody else is fishing for positions. Is that Would that be fair to say, Bryn? Yeah, I think it is, Ross. And I think it's just at the moment, um, there's just so much depth in so many positions. So I think you, you're right. There isn't a lock, but there's so many players that are playing well. And look, to be honest, a few of those all-black coaches, you've just had a pretty good introduction around an eight-week span, nine-week span of watching guys go head-to-head in key battles and games, you know what I mean? So I can imagine those selectors will be seeing um, the Super Rugby Aotearoa games and getting a real good grasp on on how those players played in, the, in those big games. And then now um, you get to play a different style of rugby, you know, looking forward past the Island series. Um, we are going to be playing Australia in the rugby championship and then seeing guys, if they can continue that form after having a really big Super Rugby Aotearoa and the intensity that's involved in that, can you still be able to go there and play consistently uh, in the back end of the competition when, um, you know, it's been brutal. There's been a lot of injuries, um, a lot of, a lot of games that have been tight and, and um, recovery has been really important probably the last fortnight for a lot of New Zealand teams. But, um, you know, you just got to continue to keep chipping away 
keep putting in good performance, especially if you're not warranted and you're not in their all-black squad to start with, and you're not the incumbents. Um, you've got a lot to play for playing in these Trans-Tasman tournaments, uh, this Trans-Tasman part of the year coming up very shortly. Let's lay it on the line then, Jipper. Who would you put at 11 and 14 right now? Um, I'd say 11 would be Caleb Clark, um, and 14 um, would be Will Jordan um, with Geordie at 15. And Bryn? Oh, it's tough, man. Um, I'll probably either go Caleb Clark or Lester Whanganuku on the left-hand side just for that power for that power wing if they go that way. Um, and then if they want to, from what we've seen at the Hurricanes, um, with Geordie at 12, um, they're possibly Sevier Reese. If not, if, if Geordie's going to play at fullback, then Will Jordan on the wing and then Geordie at fullback. So, mate, I just want to make a point there as well. Like, I think this season at some point the, the selectors will need to nail down what their top 23 is. Like, I, there is so much talent going around and so much logjam in every position like you've, um, you know, alluded to. But at some point they need to be going clear into 2023 who's where and that consistency of selection and playing together and, and making sure that that mojo stays alive because, as we know, at World Cup, seven test matches to... Uh, win the thing, um, you, you will need to have that consistency of selection to get those results, especially in the latter part of that tournament. What is consistency of selection, Jipper, in this day and age? Is it three tests in a row, then a rest, or what is consistency of selection? Oh, look, it might be two tests and, and a rest. I, I'm not too sure from um, you know the sports science point of view, but what I mean is you want to see the bulk of your core positions um, remaining the same, um, or at least being really clear coming into 2023 that we know our 1-8 to eight and we know our 9-15 to 15, um, and we know the guys that have that uh, give us that balance and opportunity um, to put teams away in the you know last 20 minutes and that's when you get your guys that can play those dual positions that will become key um, and I think all of our Lucys have that ability and our locks you know if you look at Tupovati he now covers lock and six um, so players like that can really push their hand into that selection um, and all I'm saying is um, you know, the more players play together, it is that cohesive measure. And we do probably want to get to, you know, making sure the, the cohesion um, towards the end of this season is is there with, you know, your, your 9 and 10, your 12 and 13s, your back threes, your Lucy's. Um, because the more you know of each other and the more you've played with each other, you can see it does improve the confidence of everyone else around you. Mm. Mm. I suppose that was one of our issues in 2019, wasn't it, Bryn? We didn't really know who was going to be playing either week. We got a little bit cute, probably. Um, yeah, well, to, I guess yeah, to a certain extent you're right there, Ross. But, um, you know, there's a lot of, you look at that kind of dual pivot role that we were that we went into, you know what I mean, with obviously putting Richie, who was playing really, really well at Super Rugby form, and then Bodie as well, um, who was, you know, the two previous year, the World Player of the Year. So I think I do agree with Jip, though. Um, it's the having that ability to be able to get a clear idea around what that 23 looks like and being able to, like, um, give them opportunities to be able to play. And so, you know, even John Kerwin um, in rugby and on the, on the breakdown actually brings up some really good points around the cohesion and being able to have the same team and being able to get the confidence of knowing how each other play. Because, you know, look, a lot of these All Blacks have played a lot, a lot together but a lot of them haven't. So it's been able to play them in, in meaningful test matches, get an understanding of how they do play, those little idiosyncrasies that you can have together as, as teammates, um, and then being able to, when you do come to the Rugby World Cup, um, you've got the confidence of those selection, that cohesion that Ben Darwin and JK love talking about. We love a Ben Darwin chat, don't we? Uh, the midfield is the other one. Um, Anton Leonard-Brown obviously is out on the weekend. Alex Nankerville had a pretty good showing for the Chiefs. The Mr. Fix-It there, doesn't he? Just comes in, does the job. Mm. 
Is he in and amongst a long list of candidates who are possible? I suppose when you look through recent midfielders, we've had Rico, we've had ALB, we've had Havili, um, we've had Quintupaya, but then you look at the longer list of people, whether you've got Whanganuku, Enor, Guchu could return, RTS, we've barely seen him, Balin Sullivan's looking good, the, the Umanga Jensen's are making impacts at times during the season. You know, it, it's, it's really hard where would you go, Jipper, just to start with, I suppose, and then and then who are the options that you would add on top? Yeah, look, I mean, I think you've named most of them there, and I, I think the key for um, the selectors in this is sort of what Bryn alluded to before, is how they perform in the big games, because that's what, you know, test match footy is a level above those big um, clashes uh, between, you know, two New Zealand sides. So it, it'll be how they performed, how they fronted up and delivered a, a, on the big occasion because that gives you the confidence and belief that okay they're ready for the next step um you know rather than you know having you know outstanding performances um when your team wins by 50 or 60. Mm, mm. So is Alex Nankerville in that equation do you think Brent? Oh look I think he's played he's played well you know this has been a long time look I don't know how many times we've talked about him on the show but and he consistently like you said Dross Mr Fixit whether it be at 12, 13, on the wing. You know, he could probably play fullback and probably do the job for the Chiefs with how he is, you know. So, But he's been doing it for a long time. He's done it at Mighty 10 Cup level, and he's actually performed at international level at the New Zealand, when he's played for New Zealand Maldives. Um, he's been a really big uh, part of our of our series around winning series with the fact of how well he's played at 12 or 13 in our environment. And so um, and you talk around, they probably have a clear idea around who their, probably their three midfielders are, who they're going to probably select. Um, but then that kind of fourth or fifth midfielder that they might have in that, in that squad, you've got to be able to have that versatility around playing 12 and 13, and, and Alex can do that. And like we've seen with the Chiefs, it's probably at a pinch, him playing on the wing. Uh, but look, he can play those kind of 12 and 13, which I probably think you're going to need to get into an all-black environment. A guy like Alex Nankable, um, it won't be an out-and-out 12 or 13. You have to have that combination. He can be able to do that to be able to play 12 and 13 in the midfield. And then how does Geordie put a cat amongst those pigeons, Jipper, with a 12 slash 15? Does that affect the way that a, you know, the last midfielder who possibly might have been selected could have been selected and they might drop a midfielder and go with another position as coverage? Yeah, well, it's sort of similar to what's happened with Reeks now that he can play 13 but also cover the wing. And it does give him the flexibility to sort of um, pick maybe one more specialist because of his ability to go multiple places and 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 Geordie definitely comes into that um, mix now I think he's really showing that he's got a, a real nice natural feel to 12 um, and, and we know he's a big body and his game will only develop but I still think this is probably what I was getting at before is you want to make it really clear that he's selected as a 15 who can go to 12 or he's selected as a 12 who can go to 15 mm. don't have any grey so he can really nail down his first role and then potentially have the ability mm. to go there late in the game which gives you the ability um, to adjust your bench when you've got those sorts of players starting in different positions. It kind of sounds like having too much utility value is almost a hindrance. Like it makes it even more difficult to select these teams. It, it can do because sometimes you want to have that flexibility. But when guys like a Geordie can play world class at 15, and you know, I think we're starting to see that he may have the ability to do that in tw- 12 at international level, um, it, it Potentially, you're not looking for another versatile player. You're probably looking for a specialist, like a Quintupire who plays 12, you know, something like that. But, um, you know, it doesn't mean Nankerville's out of the race either. 
um, because his versatility may plug up another hole. And that, I mean, that's just where we, we might not know as punters um, that, that talk about it, but, you know, I'm sure the selectors will have a pretty clear gauge of what the 23 will look like um, at the end of the season going into 2023. What I do know is after watching the Crusaders play on the weekend and seeing um, Richie Moonga almost back to everything that we've wanted to see from him mm. this season, that 10 jersey once again is going to be a question. Because if you'd asked me last week, I would have said, hands down, it's Bowden Barrett. Asked me this week, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, which way are we going? Um, Brent, it was quite impressive to see Richie back for you guys playing the way he was. Yeah, it was, mate. Uh, look, he was he was massive for us. Um, he had some big moments in that game, which um, you know we've been accustomed to seeing over the years. You know, I think a big moment in that game. You know, the Blues probably had a foothold on us. You know, pretty early on in that first fifty minutes, and then uh, being able to get that fifty twenty two kind of uh, made it made us get that kind of momentum back and swing kind of swing into things. And then early on as well, um, you know, being able to set up uh, Will Jordan early on and Finlay Christie comes across and makes a great cover tackle. But um, yeah, look, Richie's got back into a bit of form, which I think is great for us personally as Crusaders. Uh, but I think for All Black Rugby as well, because, um, you know, for three, four years, he's been the best player in Super Rugby, um, arguably. And so um, it was great to see him get a few touches and a few a few good things on the weekend. That's probably going to um, hopefully set him up for the moving forward for the Trans-Tasman um, and then maybe players if we, um, if we make the playoffs as well. Yeah, well, I think we've got plenty of time to get into that debate, don't we? <laughs> we'll probably leave it a few more weeks until we see a bit more consistency. But um, from the weekend, we talked last week about are the Blues now the team to beat? The answer was probably not until they've beaten the Crusaders in the most part. Now they've beaten the Crusaders. We head to the Trans-Tasman. Is it their competition to lose, Jipper? Oh, look, there's still a couple of derbies to go, um, but they've put themselves in a really good position. Um, and I certainly know the group's really hungry to to make sure that they, you know, keep that level of intensity that they showed um, down in Christchurch in every fixture. So they, you know, have the ability to put teams away or they have the ability to fight out tight wins uh, like we saw on the Saturday, but consistently turning up and delivering that. Um, <clears throat> but I think, I definitely think uh, they've, they've put their, their, their name on the map. Um, in line with the Crusaders, I think you'd be silly to ever counter Crusaders team out. Uh, you know, a couple of cards and they, they were right there in the mix that had steal that game late. Um, you know, so I, I think they're probably on par. And I also don't think we should forget about the Chiefs because they're testing a lot of depth um, and still showing a hell of a lot of, um, you know, hot form, especially on the attacking side of the game. Mm. Bryn, having played against the Blues, what are they doing better than everybody else is doing that, that you've played against this year? Well, I just look at the example on the weekend. You know, like you said, Jip, we had you know had a red card and a yellow card, and you know they were able to score points within those moments and be able to get that kind of um, that kind of leader and hold on. I think um, I think as well defensively, a lot of those a lot of those times, man, they were able to just slow our slow slow down our ball a little bit and had a really good um, defensive line, which is um, which we talked about a lot around how good their defense has been and and their scramble their scramble defense. That's when you can see um, a team. That um that's going really successful uh, when they show a lot of care and a lot, a lot of want and desire and resilience, and we've talked about it with Dalton Papali and Enrico making that final play. Um, you know we're seeing those kind of pitches a lot more with this Blues team, and I mean that's just due to the fact with Liam McDonald and their coaching staff and their, what they're instilling into their players, and then a lot of those players that are playing now um, have been in that winning environment, winning the Trans Tasman last year, and then been able to get results over him on the weekend. And they're winning those close games, which you probably say uh, three or four years ago they weren't winning them. 
But now you're you're more so thinking that you know the Blues are going to win these kind of tight games just with the fact of how they've been playing um, and their momentum that they're getting from winning these close derbies probably the last twelve to twenty four months. I, I just want to add on that, Ross. I think they're going to change from being, I suppose, the hunter to the hunted, and that's a big mindset shift um, for teams. You know, especially you know when your back's against the wall and no one's giving you a chance. Man, you know that's that can fire give you fire in the belly and and give you a real sharp focus of wanting to prove people wrong. But now, you know, they've they've done that by winning down in Christchurch the first time in 18 years. So there will be a mindset shift in terms of how they're seen now by other teams, which, you know, they'll they'll step up and deliver to, or, you know, they won't. And that back against the wall from the other teams may, may come through as well. So I think that'll be a key, that mental game and that mental prep. It's not a physical thing. It'll be around that mental edge and having that, competitive edge during the week to, to, to bring the right mindset to every fixture. Um, and, and that shift from being the hunter to the hunted is, is quite significant. Mm. You mentioned the red card just before and how the Blues you know, went in and, and got their points when, when the Reds and the Yellows came and, and took their opportunities. Obviously, Scott Barrett going off was a, a major, well, I wouldn't say turning point, but a, a big part of that game. Do you feel like you guys would have won that game without that happening, considering the tightness of it? Oh, look, I, I think it's, it's hard to, to kind of get a gauge on that because look, it happened. And I think um, for us, whether you know, Scott was sent off or not, you know, if you look when he got sent off, you know, probably our last 20 minutes of that game, that's where we played our best footy. That's where we put the Blues under the most amount of pressure. So, um, look, I think if the red card doesn't happen, then it makes it a lot easier. But um, if anything, we had our opportunities to be able to get that, to win that game. And in the last, you know, you look at the last three, four minutes, we were down in the Blues um, zone. You know, there's Dom Gardner's example where we, um, you know, we could have scored that try and won the game. But, you know, we just, unfortunately, the Blues did really well in that kind of period of when we had um, David Harvilli sent off and then um, when Scooter was off, they scored their points and did really well being able to um, capitalise on, on, our, on our mistakes of that, of that um, ill-discipline. So, um, look, I think for us, Ross, no, I don't, we don't use it as an excuse. We had our opportunities in the last part of that game to get that job done. And um, I guess for us, it's been able to put ourselves not in those positions again of having you know, 13, 13, 14 men on the field because look, when you're playing against a Blues team like that, um, it's hard enough winning with 15 people. Um, so um, just got to be able to get that right and get our discipline right. And it'll set us up pretty well for the rest of the season if we can um, get that right. Tell me if this is a crazy idea, but considering the number of red and yellow cards that are going out at the moment, you know, in every single game, I think even up north there were five reds out of eight in the Heineken Cup on the weekend out of eight games. Do teams now train with 13, 14 people, Bryn? Do you, do you have to spend time training like that to make sure that you're ready for that? Yeah, we, we do, Ross. Uh, and, uh, I can presume a, a lot of teams would do that as well. Um, it's been able to have scenarios in games, whether it's your, your last training week, your last training day before captain's run, simulating things in games, which, um, like you said, a red card, a yellow card, or you've got to try win a game, close out a game. So um, it's not a lot more foreign now when you're getting in a position where you're able to have yellow or red cards and you're pretty much well prepared knowing what that's going to look like. Um, there's obviously some positions that you don't want um, to get a red card because you know you have to change a lot, a lot changes in your game plan. Um, but now we definitely do talk around and I can imagine other teams talk around the scenarios of playing with a red card for 20 minutes, bringing someone else on and I'm um, trying to be able to adapt to best as you can with those um, scenarios that have happened. There's a lot of red cards going on at the moment. Aaron Smith, Tony Brown, they had post-match comments regarding what happened with them. Josh Dixon obviously got the red. Then for the Hurricanes, they weren't happy that uh, Sapo Amor 
didn't get Red Jipper, um, do you feel like they are warranted in their criticism of the inconsistencies? Um, oh, I think that was a hard one, and I'm sure the TMO looked at it because um, I don't know how Gareth Evans' eye could look like that if it hadn't got contact, but I, it just didn't look like on the replays that I saw yeah. that his shoulder yeah. did contact him. So whether it happened earlier, like it was, um, I have no doubt the TMO would have looked at it because it was, you know, it just didn't make sense that his eye was that blown up. Um, but it didn't look like it was direct contact, but we did, I almost needed to see it from the other angle. Um, but mm. I mean, as we saw last week, I think it's just that frustration and, and you know, I've been there um, when you put so much in and you just don't feel like you're getting the rub of the green. And, and when little things like that don't go your way, they actually feel like really big things. And then it, you know, it can sort of snowball from there. Um, but yeah, it's a tough one. That was a tough one. I've looked at it a lot um, today to try and, you know, really have a firm opinion on it, but it was just too hard to see if it was direct contact or not from where the cameras mm. were on, on, on the day. Mm. But it seems to me like yeah. referees and teams have probably a closer relationship now than they've ever had. A lot of these refs are spending time in with different squads, talking through what happened on the weekend and why a certain call was made that way and giving them ideas of things to look at. With that said, there's still a lot of criticism of them coming after games, which is in a way unprecedented. Captains didn't used to criticise refs in post-match interviews. Um, it, what is that like, I suppose, the way that you guys deal with referees during the week and post-match? Is it something you talk about? Is this the way that it should be, that we have an open conversation on Mike after the game, or should it be the conversation you have during the week? Oh, look, I think first and foremost, Ross, I think pressure and the kind of situation of how you season him dictates some of that, those things. And look, I think if you look at, um, you know, Aaron, you know, what Jip said around putting how much care and how much effort you put in with these games and you're just losing by fine margins, um, sometimes it can be just seen as, a really big thing, and you look at Artie as well. Uh, in the previous week, when you played us against the uh, when you played the Crusaders, um, small little moments and big in games when you know the difference between winning the game and getting your season back on track um, to then being able to fall in a bit of a slump where you're not winning those kind of games is is really tough. And so, it's, as players, it's really tough because we care, we we we're emotional, we love, we want to win for our team, and we put so much effort in to be able to to try and get it right. You want to get the result, and so. Um, I think for us as well, we try and get an understanding around what the refs are. Look, the refs are human. Um, like players, we all make mistakes and we, we, we make calls that we think is the right decision at that time. And so um, for whatever reason, it's just been heightened a lot, uh, probably the last the last fortnight. But um, I think the communication area has, has been a lot better. I know for us personally, um, you know, we're able to talk with, obviously, Paul Williams is with us. And so, you know, the, the open communication that we were able to have in trainings or in season, being able to communicate with them around their trends and their pitches and what they're seeing um, is great. And then I know coaches as well, not just this year with obviously the the refs coming in, but they've had open line of communication, been able to send emails, messages, calls, be able to get and see what their calls were with what they were, what they're right and accountable of what the refs were wanting in that, in that kind of scenario. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that Nuggy talked about is the consistency and that's what you want as players. And so um, if you feel like you're not getting that consistency um, and it, probably the last you know, probably last fortnight, some teams have probably felt they haven't got that consistency. So I can imagine that the, the refs will be looking at that and saying, like, can we be more consistent? What are the things that we can improve on? No different from players. We try and have the growth mindset and improve. And so I just hope, you know, that the refs are going to be able to continue to keep doing that because I know they're trying and they're not doing it on purpose. Uh, they're human and it's a high-pressure uh, situation. So all you can ask for is consistency and hopefully the refs can do that, do that moving forward. Mm. 
The balance is an interesting part of that though, isn't it? Because in order to consistently see every contact and every possible contact that could be illegal, you have to then slow the game right down, Jipper. You know, you're going upstairs for even more stuff. And the ref's call scenario, you know, or captain's call scenario comes back into play. No, because I think we've sort of made it clear we're trying to speed the game up, improve the product, because at the end of the day, you know, we want people turning up um, to stadiums and, and watching it, you know, around the world and, and on Sky here in New Zealand. Um, so I, I think the balance is there. The TMO has a role around all that. But, um, you know, we're talking one mistake, maybe two, if you use the Hurricanes Crusaders, mm. Um, out of how many calls get made in one game. And, and that's what I was sort of alluding to before, is they feel like such big things when you when you can't get that win and, and you just feel like nothing's going your way. And you heard Aaron say, I'm not gonna, we're not being the rub of the green. Um, and it does feel like mm. that. That's not, that's, he's not making that up. He, he does feel like that. But if he had won, he probably wouldn't have um, you know, felt that way. It's, it's just so hard. The tension's starting to rise. The amount of rounds we're in now, you know, making the eight, where they can position themselves, home final, not a home final, mm. those sorts of things start mounting on leaders in, in environments that are struggling. And um, as I said, like I couldn't see it either way. So I actually understand why Aaron was frustrated and he's got a job to do to um, probably challenge the ref. But uh, I don't think we want to get in a habit of, of challenging refs, you know, um, on the mic straight away before you've, you know, had that time to probably just uh, derev a little bit and. Um, you know, and, and have a, have a, I suppose, a constructive conversation at some stage. From a strictly viewer's point of view, it adds drama. But from a rugby point of view, it doesn't seem to necessarily be the most positive way forward. In saying that, if rugby's got people talking about rugby and if there's drama there and people are tuning in for the drama and, and it becomes more of a soap opera, you know, we've seen with Drive to Survive and products like that, when you turn the sport into a soap opera, everyone's turning up to watch. So we kind of have to embrace it to some degree, don't we, Jipper? Yes and no. I think you've got to stick true to the traditional values of, of the game of rugby and, you know, the ethos um, that's been built over, you know, hundreds of years of playing this game and just get the balance right. But I agree, you know, those Drive to Survives do get eyes um, on them, you know, speaking from experience myself, I never really watched F1 until that series started and, and it created interest. And there certainly is drama. Um, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think we'll just have to be careful to get that, get that balance right. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, one of my favourite dramatic things every weekend is watching a Tene Nana Satoru break someone's ankles. Like he is absolutely superb on the step. Is he the best stepper right now, Bryn? Like period in Super Rugby? Oh, I think so. I think uh, whether it be his left foot or his right foot, um, his left foot goes pretty good. Uh, I've been a couple of times he set me down on my uh, on my butt right, 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 really well with how he how he steps. So, um, but yeah, it's his ability to be able to um, whether it be a left foot step, it's a goose step, and he's also he's also got a lot of speed, you know. So whether you think he's going to do a left foot step or a right foot step, he can then do a goose step to be able to go on the outside of you. And make you look silly. So um, look, he's in a he's in a rich reign of form, and I think for me, I wrote down in my notes, it was the Nankin Satoru show um, in that Chiefs game. You know, with the be able to you know that chip and chase that he gave for um, for Nank to be able to score in that fifty fifth minute was probably the, the the icing of that. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Game um, against Moana Pacifica, but um, look, mate, he's he's a special talent. We've seen it at the Sevens for a long time, his time at St. Kent's. Now it's just great to see him with a bit more time. Um, he's doing it at Super Rugby level for the Chiefs. I suppose that's one of the interesting things when he came out of St. Kent's. Um, in the same way we'll talk about Suliasi Vunivalu soon. When he came out of St. Ken's too, there was all of this stuff said. And then you, there's a delay, isn't there? You've got to wait for a guy like Atena Nano Satura coming out as an 18-year-old, courted by the Warriors as well, etc., to really hit his strap. So it seems like we've been waiting a lifetime for a guy who's 21, 22 to show us what he's about, Jipper. Yeah, but I think you got to understand his journey is like crossing over from sevens to fifteens isn't always an easy thing yeah. to do, and I think he's st- he stayed in the fifteens game for you know about two straight seasons now. He's performed extremely well um, for for counties, and now he's seen that form at Super Rugby. But it also shows you the step up in standard of Super Rugby. It's not a it's not that easy to just turn up and play well. It does take some time to get um, you know some runs on the board to start you know expressing yourself like he's doing so at the moment, but. Uh, he looks he looks fantastic. You know, like you said, he I think he steps raindrops in his spare time. He's that good at it. Um, but there is there is um, you know that that finesse to his game. Like he's not a one stop shot. Like that little chip kick. That's that that's a big play, and and it's a selfless play. It wasn't for himself. It was for his teammate to get the five points. And I think that's where we're starting to see um, real growth in his game. And that's why he's getting those rewards at Super Rugby. But what else does he need, Bryn, in order mm. to be in that? top echelon we were talking earlier about you know left wing options for the all blacks what else does he need to have on top of those things we just talked about oh look i think it's just consistency and being able to do it for a long period of time you know so um you look at the likes of lester fanganuku who last year had a really great season and then has been able to come forward this year and continue their, their hot form because just with how competitive that back three is with the all blacks um you've just got to be able to do it at a high level and for the fact that he played a lot of those Super Rugby Aotearoa games and played really, really well. Um, it's just a continuation for a guy like that to be able to keep putting in a good performances, keep keep notching on them, keep notching them on the belt, keep ticking them, keep playing well for a long period of time. And then you know there might be an injury um, within the season, or there might be a couple injuries, and then you start getting yourself into into those kind of talks. But look, he's been in a great return of form, and I think that's a really good point that you brought up around that sevens and going back to fifteens. Um, it's really tough, you know. It's it's a lot more. There's a lot more decision making that you need to make on the wing. Um, you look defensively, um, in the lineouts, off lineout malls, off lineout drives, just in general play structure. There's a lot of decisions that you need to make as a winger that you don't probably make in sevens. So, 
um, the more that he gets to be able to put himself in those situations, those those games, those type of plays and games, um, it's just going to continue to keep getting better and we'll see the, a better version of um, Satoru moving forward. Suliasi Vunivalu, um, he was back on the weekend for the Reds. I mean, he's had some rumours about him heading off to league again. Will he stay? Won't he stay? You know, he's been in rugby for a couple of years now. For, did you get a chance to watch him on the weekend, Jipper? And, and do you think this guy's progressing to the point where he'll be a Wallabies fixture this year? Yeah, look, I think it's a hard one because he just hasn't played much rugby, if I'm honest. Like, you know, we saw a little bit mm. of him last year. And, uh, you know, I, I remember that Highlanders game, you know, a couple of, of those sort of, here's that point of difference of that aerial game and actually being able to have that sort of league style try. And that was something that Matt Duffy um, took real advantage of when he came and transitioned to rugby. And that was his point of difference. And when you have a point of difference that other people don't have, then from a selector's point of view, it's good to have in your arsenal and your squad. Um, and the other thing I'd say about Vunivalu is his skill set doesn't disappear. Um, he just needs sort of like we're talking about with Nanai Satoru, he needs a number of games on the bounce because he's still you know, mm -hmm. transitioning back to rugby. And I know he played a lot at school, um, but it's whether he wants to hang in there and, and finish the transition and push for a Wallabies case. Or he goes back to the Rabbitohs, which, you know, is the hot rumour at the moment. Um, so the decision, I feel, um, you know, probably is his. And, and you'd be silly not to utilise his talent um, if you harnessed his, his skill set um, in, your, in your system. And I think the one thing that Dave Rennie does believe in is he believes in his coaching. Um, and if, if he's of good character and he's ticking all those boxes, then he, he certainly will be in the mix. It would be incredibly sad for Bryn to leave now. Like, he, he hasn't made his mark yet. It's, it's leaving, leaving before he's even mm. started. As Australian fans, I think even as Kiwi fans, with him being at St. Kent's um, all his time and came up through the school ranks, um, dominating at that level, we just haven't seen enough of him. Um, so, you know, I'd like to think, hopefully, he can, he can stick at it because I know, look, there'll be that many NRL offers that'll be given to him that he can, it's an easy option for him to go back. It's not like he's going to struggle to get a contract with what he did in the 13-man game. But for me personally, um, with the potential that he has and what he can bring to that Australian team and be that point of difference, whether it be eerily, um, you know, we I, don't, I know the amount of times when we previewed the Reds last year when he was selected in the wing, the amount of preview that we had to try to put on to be able to stop him with the high ball. And you look at the you where you look at the Northern Hemisphere teams and sometimes the way that they play with their um, with their kicking games, he's a guy that can be great in there and being able to win those 50-50 balls, whether it be defensively or on attack. So like Satoru, um, it's that consistency of being able to play consistent rugby. And so we probably just haven't seen the best of Winivalu, but hopefully um, he can stick at it. And then with um, Brad Thorne and the Reds, he can continue to play good rugby and then that'll flow on to the 2023 World Cup, hopefully, that he's selected through the consistency and playing more rugby. Well, why do we talk Brad Thorne then, as soon as you bring him up? Brad Thorne has been under a little bit of heat. I think there was some media article over in Australia that said that he wasn't a team player, he wasn't too involved in the, the overall high-performance system and, and wasn't buying into it. He's snapped back and said, well, this is a nameless article. There's no one, the, the quote is a protected source. Who do I know who I'm talking to? What do they know about me? And he's been defended by the Reds and defended by Australian rugby. Um, do you think, Jipper, that Brad Thorne is on his way to being Wallaby's coach? Or do you think these kind of criticisms are, you know, are authentic? Uh, look, I think it's pretty tough to challenge Brad if he's saying that there's no, you know, truth to it. You know, he's a he's a very strong character and strong um, standards. So I, I'd back him um, if that's what he's saying. And the other thing about 
um, you know, Brad, is, is there's, I suppose, the reality of runs on the board. Yeah, they haven't had a lot of success like all Australian sides against New Zealand, but they won Super Rugby AU from a really tough position, a gritty position, and, and I suppose they won um, the style of their coach, the way he played. So I think he'll he'll warrant um, being in the discussion. But again, sort of like Vunivalu, like Dave Rennie just hasn't, you know, had that much time in the saddle to be, um, you know, starting the, the talk about who is... Um, successor is going to be. I think they'd want to see a lot more success at Wallabies <laughs> level um, before yeah. moving on from home. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, with that kind of chat, you could possibly get yourself an assistant coaching role sometime soon with Dave. <laughs> he must he, he must have stopped listening to the pod, mate. I'm just I'm just not having the ability to get through to him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but Brad Thorne does seem there's Dan McCallum, but Brad Thorne does seem like the obvious heir apparent. If we were going to say. In, Four, eight years' time that uh, Dave Rennie was to leave Brent? Oh, if, that, if that's in eight years' time, that's a long time away. There's a lot of stuff that can happen between that, you know what I mean? So um, you can go through transition periods of, of being at the Reds and, you know, you've got your players now that have come through that that gritty period of being able to, you know, win that, that Super Rugby AU and now they're at a, you know, you probably say the top two teams in, in Australia. But there's a lot of things that can change before that. But I guess what I'd like to see is possibly, um, you know, bringing him in that environment, possibly as an assistant coach under David Rennie. Um, because, look, he does have a lot of um, character and he's, he's got a high character. Um, he's well-respected over on this side of the, the Tasman as he is over in, in Australia. Um, I think any time you can bring that kind of um, character or kind of person to an environment, it can only uplift your, uplift your group. But whether he would want to go into an assistant coaching role with that, under David Rennie, but um, just speaking from afar... Um, it'd be pretty good to see those two be able to work together, and especially with how they are as men and people. I think they could get the best out of Australia, even post the Rugby World Cup, if those two work together. What about the other way around? We, we let Dave Rennie go over there. Should New Zealand rugby be looking at Brad Thorne, an all-black World Cup winner? Uh, you know, we might be Australian at the moment, you know, but he's New Zealand at other times. Um, should we be thinking about bringing a guy like him back to New Zealand and adding him into a roster over there? Are we being short-sighted by letting him exist in the Australian sphere, Chipper? Oh, look, I think um, Brad's a fairly um, strong-minded character. If he's come out and said he wants to coach Australia, that's where he'll be um, setting his goals. And he, he's, he's really um, progressed a lot of young players. So We'd, we'd certainly, mm. you know, if he wanted to come back to New Zealand, we'd be silly not to, um, you know, take him up on that. But, you know, he's doing some great work. The amount of um, young Reds players that he's promoted through to the Wallabies since he's got there is massive. Mm. And the amount of fine-tuning he's done on some senior Wallabies that are now consistently delivering um, at international levels and at super level, I think is testament to not only the way he coaches, but the way he picks his coaching group, the way, um, you know, he drives his, um, you know, standards in those environments to bring the very best out of young men. Um, and I think that would be exciting. And I don't think, you know, Australia would be wanting to let him go. And I also don't think New Zealand would be short-sighted enough not to, you know, have a discussion with him. But I think we know that the logjam of coaching um, for the All Blacks or other teams um, is, is, you know, jam-packed over here at the moment. So... Um, you know, adding him to the mix may just, uh, you know, be more confusing than finding a solution. Mm -hmm. He would win the Bronco amongst all coaches, I'm sure. Like if you were to put all of the coaches across Super Rugby together, Brad Thorne would be winning the Bronco, <laughs> the yo-yo, the beep test, whatever it is that they're doing now. 
Mate, I'll tell you what, um, Leon McDonald would challenge you on that, and probably Razor would too, no. <laughs> They'd back themselves. I mean, if Tana Umanga was still about, he's, he's as lean as anything. He'd, he'd give it a good nudge. Yeah, Brad Thorne is a sicker. I remember watching him at an All Blacks training years ago, and they were doing, I think it was the yo-yo test, which is like the beep test, but you start later on in the, in the number count, right? And he was still going and still going, and these All Blacks were dropping out, and he was smiling. He was smiling as he was getting up into the high numbers and, and all his teammates had gone and he was still going and he was smiling and he was like 100 years old at that point. <laughs> and it, was, it was quite incredible to watch. Um, his team, the Reds, um, up against the Rebels on the weekend, Bryn Hall's Rebels, 36-32 win. Um, was that, did that come down to the Reds going well, Bryn, or are your Rebels still on the rise? <laughs> Oh, look, I think they're the most improved team, I think, um, the Rebels. And look, they were straight a pretty gritty performance, I think. Um, a lot of that, that game, actually, you know, the Reds probably, um, they were um, against the run kind of tries. Like, I think, it, you know, their first try, it was off a turnover. Their number seven makes a really good turnover and then goes the full length of the, the field. And then there's an intercept to make it 22-10. And they got themselves in a really good position, you know. It was 25-24 in the uh, 62nd minute. And then just from that, the Reds probably uh, went up another gear and scored two tries to be able to um, make it a little bit more comfortable, even though the, the Reds were scoring in the back end of that game. But um, look, at the same time, you probably say, look, the Reds probably should have done it. Um, you'd like to think hopefully would have iced that game and done it a little bit better. But it just shows the improvement that the Rebels are showing at the moment and been able to really grit out performances. You know, you know, probably think of the first part of the, of the year. They probably don't get a performance like that where they show better, where they show grit and they fight really hard to get back in the game to lead the game after a tough early start, and then the Reds have been able to come over and finish it off. So, um, look, I think the Rebels are the most performed team in the comp, and we've got them in Super Rugby <laughs> round in Melbourne, and um, it's going to be a, a very interesting game. But, no, they are the, my most improved team, the Rebels. You are my most improved team <laughs> for the year so far, absolutely. Removed from the dartboard. You're still on their dartboard, mate. You're still on the dartboard. There's no way you're getting off that dartboard. <laughs> hopefully, just hopefully, just one dart, not just three darts. Now, hopefully, <laughs> it's probably a good chance now to talk about our dream team. Um, so, if, if you haven't caught what's going on with the dream team with RugbyPass.com, please tune into RugbyPass.com. Go in there and look up the dream team. Each week, you get to select your form 15 of the week, and if you get the form 15 closest to the overall pick that everyone's made then you can win a prize. Our prize winner this week is Kevin Thompson. You get a subscription to Rugby Pass. If you get to the end of the year and you are the most consistent, you get a chance to come on the show and tell us what's up. So, guys, Jipper, starting with you, what does your Form 15 look like this week? Uh, there's a number of changes, actually, and quite a tough team to pick because so many players played well um, over the weekend. But... I went with the two Highlanders bookends at one and three, um, Ainsley and DeGroote. Their, their scrum set piece um, you know, kept them within a sniff, being able to march teams for penalties, and Marty Banks obviously picking up threes throughout the game. So those boys did the work up front. Kurt Eklund, I thought he was huge for the Blues um, in the hooker role and scored a crucial try, which wasn't as easy as you think um, when you're coming off the back there. So he was great. Went Romano, I think, going back home. That was a big game for him, and you know, he, he got through his work and thought Tupo Va'i was awesome as well um, in that locking department. I went Gareth Evans, late change into the sixth jersey on, on game day. So, you know, he was great around the breakdown and, you know, pilfering ball and giving them, you know, that chance, I suppose, towards the end. And um, 
eight, I've gone your man, Luke Jacobson. Yes. Uh, good to see him back and starting. He was he was outstanding. And obviously Dalton um, at seven being the player of the week. Um, I've gone TJ Perinara at nine and more so probably for the performance on Tuesday, but then to back it up um, on Saturday. And he was massive. Um, I thought his influence in the game on Tuesday and the other night is huge. And just the competitor he is, uh, um, you know, I, I just really enjoyed watching him. Um, it was a really wonderful night, obviously, with Christy um, going really well as well. Um, Bodie at 10, Geordie at 12, Rico at 13. I think they probably just picked themselves. Um, Etidi Nanai Satoru at 11, Julian at 14, and Stephen Perafeta at 15. Wow, no Will Jordan. Tough wow. to pick. Yeah, yeah. I just like yeah, Stevie's right. role, mate, in a big, in a, in a big occasion. Um, mine's a... Pretty similar, actually, especially with the Ford pack. Um, I've gone De Groot at one. I've gone Eklund at two. Uh, I've gone Uffa. I thought Uffa played fantastic on the weekend. Um, some great ball carries through the middle of the ruck and, and defensively, um, he was his, his, his dominant south. So I've gone Luke Romano, um, the big bear. Would have, I know that would have been a great one for him to be able to get that result, so I've gone him. Um, I've gone Tupo Vibe, but a special mention to Matt Phillip from um, the Rebels. I thought he was he was great on the weekend and I thought he actually played really well for them. Um, I've gone Evans as well, Dalton at seven. Notable mention for McFreight um, from the Reds. Um, he's got a watchman. I've been really impressed with how he plays. He's quick, nippy, and actually had three turnovers in that in that win on the weekend against the Rebels. Um, I've gone Jacobson as well. Notable mention for Ardy. Um, I've actually got Finlay Christie for nine. Notable mention for Tate McDermott for the Reds as well, who I thought was uh, was good for them on the weekend as well. I've actually gone Richie, Richie at 10. Um, I thought just with the way he played on the weekend and the moments that he had um, was tight between him and Bodie. You could have gone either either, but um, I went Richie on the weekend. Um, I've gone Sotoro at 11. I've gone Nankerville at 12. I've gone Rico at 13. Notable mention for Hunter Paisami as well, who's playing really good rugby and is really close it's been in my form 15 the last couple of weeks. Um, I've gone Severis at 14 for his two tries, and I've gone Will Jordan, who was who was outstanding on the weekend as well. There's a chance to put some more notable mentions to Rebels players in there, Brent, if you really wanted to. <laughs> nah, mate, you got it's hard to make my team. Matt <laughs> Phillip, mate, he, he was he was an, a notable mention. He played well on the weekend. <laughs> the Super Round this weekend obviously is a completely different mm. kind of of weekend for rugby. We've got these themed rounds, and here we suddenly have a whole bunch of games in the same place. Uh, very exciting thing to be involved in. I suppose every time you do something a little bit different, Bryn. Oh, it is, mate. And I think any time that we get to tour as well as a team, look, we love touring. And with COVID probably the last two years, it's been, um, you know, even though last year we were able to, um, it's always been the fears of, of it not happening, especially this year. We didn't think that we were going to go over with obviously Omnicron and all that involved. And I guess for the fact of fans being able to look at that Super Round and being able to have X amount of games of different teams, different countries, um, and playing those games, it's going to be an awesome round. And I look, I know for us personally, we're really looking forward to be able to go over Melbourne, not even only, not only just Melbourne, but the other states and in other places in in Australia. Um, we've got a lot of support over there that we um, always travel well, and we always are well supported. So, I know for us as players, we're looking forward to it. And I know the Super Round, um, it's going to be an awesome event, and hopefully people can um come along and watch and watch some, a great spectacle of rugby. Jipper, you're going over there as well in your capacity as part of the Players Association. What are you guys trying to achieve during that Super Round? Yeah, look, we're just connecting up with obviously RA and um, Rupa over there, and, and you know, focusing on um, you know looking at this season's Super Rugby and, and getting a review on that, and, and obviously planning to 2023 and how we can you know 
get bums back on seat and eyes on our game. And like Bryn said, I think there's no better way to kick it off with a super round. And, um, you know, you always see good crowds at NRL, you know, Big Bash, AFL. So I hope the, the fans come out in numbers because it'll be a great spectacle and a, and a fantastic um, six games. Actually, seven games, the Super uh, W finals on as well. Um, so that'll, that'll be exciting to watch. Cool, cool. It's cool that you guys are coming together and starting to think about ways to evolve and continue to make this product be everything that it can be. Um, I suppose one of the things that I was hoping to introduce, and uh, we're going to start it off this week, is a new section that we're going to do on the show. That section will be called Rethinking Rugby. We've come up with a different kind of conversation each week, you know, and it could be kind of a, a, just a little thing. We're not looking for silver bullets because there probably isn't a silver bullet to make everything as good as it can be, but without doing Al Pacino's Inch at a Time speech um, from any given Sunday, um, you know, it's nice to get those little wins across the board that can help build this game. The thing I wanted to introduce this week is names on the back of jerseys. Um, this conversation in my world came from a conversation I had with my father-in-law when we were watching the Waratahs last year. <laughs> and they have a sponsor on the back of their jersey, Santos. And my father-in-law cracked a dad joke that the, uh, the 15 Santos brothers were all playing really well tonight. And, um, <laughs> and, and it made me think about, well, actually, um, you know, that's probably a good thing to have. And then I've noticed in recent weeks, the Blues posted an idea about it on April Fool's Day. Um, and I don't think it's such a foolish idea, and there have been other people talking about it since. Having players' names on the back of their jerseys is a great chance to market the game, to make it cool like NBA jerseys are, like you know, all American sports apparel. I think they do it in State of Origin mm. as well, where you can see the name on the back of the jersey. And rugby is missing out on chances to market and sell their, their brand of players and, and, and the ability to just make money when... For instance, Bowden Barrett signs with the Blues. You got a superstar. It's uh, probably the biggest transfer in the history of Super Rugby, um, from one franchise to the next. And you weren't able to buy a Barrett jersey that day when he signed. When I'm sure that lots of kids would have loved to at least bought a Bowden Barrett Blues T-shirt. You know, at the least. Guys, what do you make of the idea? Starting with you, Bryn. Would you like to have Hall number nine on the back of your Crusader shirt? Oh, look, I'm a big um, advocate for American sports. And, you know, you look at the, I think even, you know, you look at Tom Brady and the likes of those players, the really high-end um, NFL players, the amount of marketable money that they make for their clubs just due to the fact of their tickets of, of their um, their jersey sales um, is great. And so Drip can probably actually go on to it being part of the Rugby Players Association or what they might look like for us. But I know for us as players, it'd be great to be able to, you know, see that and be able to, you know, have fans that you can see just walking along the street and, you know, they've got your your name on your on their back and it's, you know, it's really cool to see. And so um, I'm not too sure if the Rugby Players Association and the New Zealand Rugby Union could collaborate and be able to get an idea around if that could be done because I know that, look, it is, you can make, you can make really good money out of it. You know, it's been seen in NFL, baseball, all over in America. Um, you see it in, in grounds, you see them, you know, turning their back and putting their favorite players that they've got on the back of their, back of their shirts. Um, for us as players, I know I'd really enjoy it. I'd love to see that happen. And so um, it's something that maybe could happen in the future, hopefully. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm uh... I'm a fan of the names, but I'd I'd like the numbers to remain. I wouldn't want to go as far as uh, guys picking their own money, uh, number, but as I, as you know, I'm a traditionalist, so you know, keeping the the fabric of our game um, 
throughout, you know, its development would be uh, key for me. But yeah, I think it's a great idea, a great, um, you know, we see it time and time again, as you've both alluded to with the NBA, NFL, um, you know, I've bought many a singlet and, and top um, to, to connect with the team or a certain player. So I, I think it'd be exciting. Um, I know there's been discussions many a time before about it, um, but it just hasn't transpired. So um, it's, it's definitely something uh, that, that we can put into the mixer there, Brenner, um, as, as we look to mm. move forward with, with Super Rugby and our other things. So what's held it back until now? Oh, I'm not too sure, mate. I wasn't part of it, but I know it's been discussed. Yeah. So that... there, there is there there is the ability in the collective to do it. It's just um, how it all sort of comes out in the wash. So, Brim, would you like a number yeah. of your own, or do you agree with Jip that it should remain one through twenty-three? No, one one to twenty-three definitely. I think, um, you know, you can change it, whether you're coming off the bench or coming as a starter and that kind of stuff, you've still got the, the pure value of like the 1 to 23 like it's always been. But I think, you know, just having your name on the back, whether you're starting or coming off the bench, you've always got your name that's in that's been able to be shown. I think that would be a really cool initiative that could could be moving forward. And so hopefully, um, it's great to see that, you know, there's been discussions around that. And then, you know, possibly, you know, it could be a real, um, you know, starting it off, whether it be like a super round. You could have it at the super round once a year that that might be able to happen and see if you get um, uh, positive re- reviews from that. And then hopefully, moving forward, you could just get it becoming um, a normal day thing. I agree with you guys on the numbers, not because I'm a traditionalist, but because with rugby players becoming very similar sizes now, where you've got midfield backs and fullbacks who are six foot four, six foot five, if a team that you've never seen before comes along or a new player you've never seen before and they don't have the appropriate number on the back of their jersey, it's hard to really tell who they are, especially with the way that you have the game formatted now in between set plays where players at different positions are scattered amongst each other. It's almost impossible to learn a new player if that player had number 67 on his back instead of number five, or she had, you know, 45 on her back instead of three, you know, whatever it might be, you know, I I feel like that's a step too far because we kind of need to learn new players and understand the structure of the game, which is hard enough to follow as it is because it is a complicated game you know taking mm. that away from it takes away from the understanding of what that is but the names on the back seems simple but they might have to get mm. rid of a sponsor out of that place i suppose that's the hard part because that spot where your name goes across the top is a place where a lot of key sponsors have got some serious real estate jipper oh 100 percent. Um, but you know you can have the ability to get both and i'm sure um, you don't need, say, haul and massive um, capitals. It, it can it, uh, no doubt fit in there somewhere. So, you know, all the halls yeah. out there can buy the, the legend that is Bryn's jersey. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Or you could buy the throwback James Parsons jersey. Yeah, yeah that'll struggle to sell. That'll struggle to sell. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, imagine, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. no, go on. I was just going to say, I was just, just going to say, man, imagine... Um, Obviously, you're obviously working for Sky Sport, mate. Seen all the different numbers, that would just be a nightmare for you, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, I, I, that's true. <laughs> I didn't even think of it from that point of view. It would be would be challenging. Um, but no, look, I think it's 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 progress and um, definitely something that no doubt should be able to be done. But 
We'll see. I feel like there's great marketing opportunities in throwback as well, you know. So the Chiefs, the Blues, the Hurricanes could all sell Jonah Lomo 11 jerseys. You know what I mean? Like there's, there, there are all of these kind of options out there for you to, to do that in a throwback sense and bring more money and excitement and, and kind of add to the culture, I suppose, because that's really what it is, isn't it? It's about that name oh. and, and, and who you are. Because I'll tell you what, I looked... Um... I was watching the Warriors yesterday, and it was great to see. Like, because the Warriors do it really, really well. I don't know how many jerseys they have. They got that many jerseys, but I loved watching seeing that heritage, that um, grand final jersey that they wore on the weekend mm. um, against the Roosters. Like, it's just yeah. Again, it's something that you can connect back with the people that have gone. So, like, you look at the 2002 Warriors team; they can see that, and then the players uh, are, are able to represent that, knowing what um, what that jersey meant all that time ago. So. Um, and look, there's been even seen on some social media sites, you know, whether it be Ma- Legend of Marty Banks or different different Instagram handles, um, been able to see fans that have made heritage jerseys. And like, I've even seen them as, as players. We're like, man, those are really cool jerseys. We actually wouldn't mind um, playing in those jerseys for, for a round or a heritage round or, or whatever it may be. So um, I definitely think there is money to be made in that, in that space. Yeah, it would be super cool to be able to do that. There was The Chiefs brought out one a couple of years ago, which kind of was a, a throwback to their original jersey, and that was really, really cool. My understanding is that it takes some time with Adidas to get them over the line. It takes a year or two to, to go through the development and get them printed and all those things, so teams have to be pretty organised to get to that point. But I'm sure that if it becomes a, not a priority, but certainly something as part of their marketing scheme, it could, it could be something that could happen. So that's one, that's one problem solved. <laughs> just like that just like that come okay. on just like that just like that <laughs> and there'll be a few more to come a few more to come um, okay so let's have a look ahead now to this super round that's coming up that we've never seen before two games each day Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Melbourne starting with the Chiefs versus the Waratahs Bryn where do you see that one going? going to be a good game I think um you know, Jip's been a big advocate for the Waratahs probably the last fortnight. So, um, but I'll, I'll go the Chiefs in a close game. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, yeah, I have been a big advocate for the Waratahs there, Bruno. Um, but I think this might be a bridge too far. Um, Chiefs uh, really nailing their depth and, and getting their guys playing. So, it doesn't really matter um, who's out there at the moment. They, they seem to be performing really well. Interesting game, Moana Pacifica versus the Force to see where Moana Pacifica sit against the Australian teams. Bryn, how do you think that one's going to play out? Um, I'll go Moana. I think, um, yeah, I think they're due to to get a result. I know it's been a tough, it's been a tough probably last three weeks for them with the kind of games that they've had back to back. But um, no, I think they'll travel over there and they'll get the job done against the Force. Jibbert? Yeah, look, I think uh, Moana Pacifica as well. Um, I think uh, they're, they're trending in the right direction. Their, their penalty count was way down um, against the Chiefs, um, and, and they've shown enough, especially on attack. Uh, but when they get that defence right, um, you know, they're, they're certainly uh, dangerous. But they'll have to watch out for Mateali because he is just a weapon. He's mm. pretty damn good. Um, the Blues versus the Drua, Jipper? Uh Blues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, blues. <laughs> Hurricanes, Reds could be an interesting one, though, Bryn. A little less straightforward, maybe. Yeah, it is. I think um, it'd be a great test for where the, to see where the Reds are at. And it's great to see um, that you know the, the you know the Reds and the Brumbies who have been at the top of that that, that conference um, to be able to play against New Zealand teams. And so, 
Um, I'll go the Hurricanes, though. I think they'll be um, with that last-ditch win against the Highlanders. Um, we'll give them a bit of confidence moving forward, and, and they'll get the job done against the Reds. Yeah, the Landers are that team this year, aren't they, where they're really close but just not quite there. It's a, it's a tough place to be in, but that team in the past has gone over to Australia and won games um, out of New Zealand. So can the Highlanders beat the Brumbies, Jippa? Um, I, I think so. Uh, what I saw in their um, shift was their kicking game. Like They had 34 kicks in play, which is um, you know back to... You know, that style that they were so successful under with um, you know Aaron Smith a few years back and and that really kept them um, in the game and and I just think it will be a forward battle uh, no doubt playing the Brumbies but they've got enough there they've shown enough um, for me to back them uh, going into the super round you on the same page yeah I'm gonna pick the Highlanders but I think um, if you're the, if you're the Brumbies and you're, you're the Ford pack of that team um, it's a really time for them to be able to stand up and, and try and win that game for them because look I've talked about a lot around their back back attack and being able to work off their malls and then being able to um, strike off that and how efficient they are um, if the if the Brumbies Fords can do a job on the Highlanders um, then I'd, then the Brumbies have really got a really good chance but I think the Highlanders I think they'll just sniff it out they'll find a way and they'll win that one. It'll be a close one. It'll be a really close game. But I'm just picking the Highlands to sneak through. And you guys, of course, up against the Rebels. How do you see that one playing out? Uh, I'll be picking us, and hopefully I won't be injured. (laughs) 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 I I reckon Crusaders, and I feel I can just feel a Bryn Hall try. Oh, yeah. Sense it. Little support line try. (laughs) Possibly the opening try, really, to stamp his authority. Oh, 100%. Possibly. Who who, who knows? (laughs) Just tell us if the Rebels joke has gone too far, mate. We're a few weeks into it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It might end up. Hey, mate, you've got to be be held accountable. They've done done well, and so it's warranted. It's warranted the, the remarks that I'm getting. Coming at me hot from both sides of the Tasman. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you very much. All the best this weekend, mate. When do you take off? Uh, we take off on Thursday. Yeah, we take off on Thursday for our 23 days that we're over in um, Australia. 23 days in Australia. Are you are you growing any yeah, no. uh, moustaches or uh, sideburns like you normally do in Africa? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it is a trip for us. Um and so I think we're actually not allowed to touch. We're not allowed to touch our faces come tomorrow morning. So I'll have to get a get a get a very really clean clean shave tonight. So because um, there will be some <laughs> facial hairs and us inside us inside backs, man, we just get done real hard. So uh, I'm not looking forward to seeing what we're going to be doing for us this year. So you have to come in completely Maybe. clean, do you? No, you don't. You don't have to. But um, three weeks is a long time for some guys, and their beds can obviously get a little bit longer. And so um, the back seat and our team and our leaders. Um, tend to, you know, there's four four groups that have different types of facial hairs, and obviously us insides, we tend to get the the hard ones, you know. So the, the what was the toughest one? I actually can't tell you that one, what that one was, but um, yeah, we've had some tough ones. <laughs> we've had some tough ones. We've had some we've had some tough ones over the years, and so I'm, I'm pretty sure that'll continue. <laughs> As a man who sports facial hair all week, you know, you're you're in a pretty good position, aren't you? Well, I am, but again, we can get done really hard. You know, the, the worst one, some of the tough ones, like it's all having all the hair under here. You've got to get rid of everything, and it's just everything that's under there. Um, some terrible ones as well. So, yeah, 
we'll see how it goes. You'll see very shortly, Ross, what uh, what will look like in the next couple of weeks. Good luck. That sounds great. <laughs> well, good luck on the trip. <laughs> Thanks again, Jeffa. I presume you're staying clean shaven as ever. Always, mate. <laughs> Always slick and professional. James Parsons, Bryn Hall. I'm Ross Carl, and this has been the Aotearoa Rugby Pod for another week. Enjoy the rugby this weekend. The Super Round on Sky Sport, of course. All the reaction on rugbypass.com. Matewa. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.